You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another fucking fantastic episode of the Trash Pandas. We are doing our bi-weekly documentary session. So we're going to be talking about Abducted in Plain Sight. But before we get into that, we just want to do our normal uh, intro and talk about what we've been watching. So, Lindsay, what have you been watching and listening to this week? Yes, you put in the listening to. So I have to tell you, since I've already told you my love for Taylor Swift, she dropped a surprise album um last night and uh so that makes two albums in the year of 2020 for miss taylor swift and it is fantastic it's so good it's just like i love that you have like an obsession (laughs) oh my god it's like the b-side to folklore which was her album that she came out with in like july and i am just obsessed with it she has this song called no body no crime and it's about a murder and she wrote it because she loves murder like just like we do i do <laughs> and so it is just it oh sounds terrible when you say i love murder i know but it does. it's just like how we love trash but, but... i always <laughs> say that i'm like my name's Lindsay, and i love murder like you want to talk to me true crime is pretty much one of our passions true time is a a sincere passion of mine so it's awesome that she has a song nobody no crime it's so good it's uh is it is it is it to the tune of no woman no cry by any chance because i feel like that would be amazing like it should be right (laughs) but actually it really gives me some like bonnie um no it's not bonnie right is it bonnie right who does um the Georgia one when the lights went out in Georgia. Ooh, you know, know who I'm talking about? Um, mm-hmm. It's not Bonnie Raitt. It's um, Reba McIntyre. Oh my God, Reba McIntyre. Reba, it has some Reba vibe. That would be where it's not my genre of music. <laughs> no. It, it, well, it tells like a full story. And it's like about this woman who realizes that her man is having an affair. And then her best friend helps her kill this guy. I was like, and, and it's a country song, so obviously the guy dies. It's not a, well, <laughs> like Dixie Chicks. Yeah, right, right. What of what's the Bob? It's Bob, right? No, Earl has to. Earl die. has to die. Yeah, Why Bob. Oh, because all the Bobs from Abducted in Plain Sight is in my brain. So many, um, so many Bobs. So many Bobs. Um, but bobs. it's really good. It's not country. It's definitely got a more folksy vibe but i definitely wouldn't call it country it's more a singer songwriter okay um i don't know i it's not for everyone and i understand that but like i said i grew up with her i feel like she's one of my bffs so i fucking love her um and then the next thing i wanted to talk about was um true crime garage which is another podcast covered the Danielle Sizlecki case. Oh. And it's two parts. Um, I'm still listening to the first part. Uh, They're hard to listen to. So remember, Dave, you told me, we've had these conversations where, like, if the podcaster just doesn't have the voice. 
right. or the or the charisma. It's a big thing. It's you just don't want to yeah, listen it can, to it. Can it. Be, it can it's, be it's, an end all be all for that and, entire podcast. And it's hard for me to get through. The only reason I've been sticking with it is because I'm so invested in this case and the topic. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's right exactly the content. And maybe um, we should talk a little bit about. Um, how the Danielle Suzuki is actually kind of like related to us. So, oh, well, not related I, to us. But I didn't. This area. I didn't know her at all, but she is from where we live mm-hmm. um, in mm-hmm. Michigan, um, and she actually graduated from the high school that I work at, and yeah. she graduated in two thousand six. And I have a bunch of best friends that graduated the year right after her, so they knew her through just going through high school with each other um so and lauren knows her yeah well not like knows her but yeah like i have met her a few times and stuff and you know anytime that you hear about anybody that you know like on like any kind of personal level something as horrific as what happened to her um and that's always something that's going to be like stuck with you and, yeah. and you want to know more. Yeah. And the whole thing about it is that she is um, still missing. So mm-hmm. we want to kind of draw a little bit of attention to yeah. that and let people know that that's still an ongoing case. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if anybody has information, then yeah. definitely and come when forward. We um, elected our attorney general along with Russian Whitmer, um, Dana Nethel, she basically decided um, were they were going to proceed forward with this case mm-hmm. um, against um, Floyd. Can't think of his last name. Yeah. Who gives a shit? But um, he had gotten um, basically he was he was found because he attacked a woman in um, uh, Heinz Drive Park in a park. Yep. And and tried to assault her. And so he was uh, arrested and in jail for that. Um, But they knew that he had ties to Danny um, because he worked as a security guard in the building where she worked. And he kind of had like this really odd fascination with her. And it talks about that in the, in that podcast, um, true crime garage about how she had like told her mom, like she got, kind of like freaked out by him and just thought like there was like something a little bit off but she has a super big caring heart and so um they think maybe what had happened is he told her he ran into some type of trouble and she was willing to help and um that's what then led to um the disappearance Um, But the thing with the true crime garage thing is that the guy who's recapping it is so robotic and he's so he has like this monotonous tone and it's almost too scripted. There are people that really enjoy the NPR vibe and voice. I, however, happen to not be one of them. Right, right. And it's just, it's hard too to listen because we're all, we're from Michigan. So it's hard to listen to because they're talking about these places and these things and they're saying it like 
so robotically. And I'm like, if a person from Michigan was covering this, I just feel like they would have so much more sensitivity to like the area and, uh, and what was, well, it's like, like listening to your navigation system, say like gradient Avenue instead of grash it. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I really love turn left on schooner. No, that's Shaner. Yep. So, um, I will say um, that they did give major props to the Farmington Hills police because I guess as soon as her parents called the police, um, the Farmington Hills police took this case extremely seriously. And they did say like, you know, this is different from a lot of the cases we cover where police are like, very slow to even call it a missing persons. They're very slow to even get any kind of investigation. Um, they did give props to the Farmington Hills police where they were like, immediately they were treating this like an investigation. Um, so that's kind of, I mean, that was kind of cool for our local, yeah. our huh? local police. Get Definitely take a listen if you have a chance a positive. because we want to keep that story in the spotlight. In the well, and that's the sure. thing. I mean, here we are four, four years later now and he's I still know. awaiting trial, I, I believe. I believe yeah. when they said 2016, I was just like, that is so horrifying for her family mm-hmm. that they have not had the closure of at least having her body. Oh, yeah, no, and a, and a good friend of mine was friends with her um, and worked with her yeah. and, and knew her and, yeah. Yeah, and then they, I mean, they did talk about, we could do a whole thing on this, but they did talk about the fact that, like, right after she went missing, there was a big blizzard. Yep. Um. So that immediately put a hamper on everything. Um. And one of her best friends recently talked in an interview, and she was just saying like, every time I'm driving down a stretch of road, I think, is she in one of these ditches? Like, have they have looked, looked here? Yeah. Is she in one of these ditches? And I just can't imagine the weight of that thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, on your life every single day of where is my best friend Mm -hmm. and where the fuck is her body and this guy Floyd I mean it pretty much seems like a sign sealed delivered he fucking did it Um, but it's just disgusting that she's you know he's not we're still looking for her right we're still looking for her four years later I mean it's just it's just so sad like just and, and her, her parents have said something. I mean, it was, I don't think it was her parents, but I think it was like either her her grandma or something had said something along the lines of like, we know we that knew. she's not alive and yeah, we just want to know where she's at. And, yeah. you know, I think that that's totally something that they have the right to know. I mean, and you just want your, you want to be able to give your loved one like a proper burial and a proper send off. Mm-hmm. And like, just to think she was just, just to know, just, she was just disgusting guarded like well but you look at i mean especially in the context of a lot of the true crime stuff that you know whether it's you know stuff that you guys have talked about or stuff that i've I've paid attention to on my own uh, a lot of the killers believe that that is their last like their last grip of power like that is like that is that is their last they're they're like because by and large i mean a, a lot of Killers, especially serial serial killers or anybody like that, tend to be control freaks, um, yeah. and so they view it as like their last grip of control, their last shred of you know control over the yeah. situation in other people's lives, and so they don't want to give it up. And exactly. I just kept thinking too, like um, 
if Michigan had an active death penalty, that would be maybe the one thing that he would give up in order to right to get that taken off the table. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. I feel like he's playing that as like the, the card in his back pocket that he has to be like, okay, well I'll cut a plea deal. Like if the family wants to know where she is, Mm -hmm. then just give me this amount of time or this amount of something. I mean, it is, it's totally disturbing and sick and, and, Oh, I just can't, I can't imagine having a missing loved one. I can't, I, it would drive me fucking crazy. I would have to be sedated. So <laughs> I would have ju- to be sedated. justice for Danny for sure. And we're, yeah. we're hoping that that turns out for sure. Yeah. And that we um, can find her. Yeah. So with that being said, the only things that I have been doing, I have not been um, watching anything really. I've been focusing on my small business I've been doing where I make adult-oriented ornaments. Um, So if you're interested in that, contact us, because I've got those. I've got ornaments and tree toppers that I'm lovingly calling porn stars, or uh, in some cases, I'm calling them power tops. Um, So if if you're interested in that... You let us know. I'm telling you, I I love the the raffle ticket decorated mini tree ID. Working on that. I, I, I think that's got potential. That. I think that it'd be really cool to do like a raffle off and you get like a small tree with, you know. Yeah, like a, a few of the. Yeah, I, th- I think that'd be a, phenomenal. A power top I, I think that'd be great. Yeah. Be perfect. I was thinking about making tree skirts and having power bottoms. Yeah. We'll have to see how that works out. So we'll see. Maybe for next year. <laughs> Maybe for next year. I was like, yeah, that, that, yeah, because I mean, then you got to worry about like stitching or ironing crap on or the, yeah. Exactly. So we're working towards it. Just, you know, if you guys are interested in anything adult oriented, then contact <laughs> It's there. It's there for you. Um, with that, well, you know. Whoever's sitting around watching uh, two pretty blondes on a Friday night probably would be interested in something adult oriented. So that's hey, <laughs> join my OnlyFans. At... No. <laughs> um, so with that, we can go ahead and get right into. Speaking of creepy fuckers, <laughs> yeah, uh, let's do a little slight trigger warning. You know, this has something to do with strong sexuality, especially with um, and sexual assault. So if you're not okay with that, log off now. Um, If you are and you want to hear more about this crazy fucking story, then stay tuned because it gets worse and worse. (laughs) Baka, do this like honestly, like this reminded me of have you ever seen the movie Very Bad Things? No. So there's a great it's it's. Okay, it's not really a great movie, but it's it's a fun movie, and it's called Very Bad Things, and basically, like, things just keep getting worse and worse over the course of the movie, and so I remember watching, I was watching it with friends one night, and they were like, geez, like, like towards, like, maybe with, like, even, like, a half an hour left in the movie, they were like, God, do these guys just, like, never catch a break? I'm like, and I, I paused the movie, and I'm like, the movie is called Very Bad Things. It's not called Very Bad Things Eventually with a Happy Ending. Like it, it's things get better, right? Yeah, yeah, and then every, get better. And, yeah, well, this should be called abducted in plain sight twice. Yeah. Well, and so apparently it was it was originally called Forever B. Oh. Was the original was the original name of it? Um, oh, and so okay. it got renamed, um, and then had the Netflix effect happen. Um, which right. it, so like have you got like, and it's fascinating to me. Like apparently, um, 
enrollment on like chess.com is up like oh, yeah. 500x the because of the Queen's yeah. Gambit. Uh, so I'm like, you know, the Netflix effect is a very real thing. I mean, like even simple, like dude, like Cobra, I hate that Netflix turned me into a hipster because when everybody was like, oh my God, dude, have you seen Cobra Kai on Netflix? It's freaking amazing. And I'm like, yeah, I saw it two years ago on YouTube. Yeah. Where were you? <laughs> With my PBR <laughs> tall boy. <sighs> Watched it way yeah. before I was cool. Yeah, total <laughs> That's so funny. Oh um, I feel like that about a lot of these documentaries, though. Like, I mean, people talk about Dear Zachary to this day, and I'm like, oh my god, well, so I saw, in, it ten, saw it ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, so this this was released in 2017. So I mean, again, it's yeah. not you know, it's yeah. not like a new thing, but it's no. you know, people are discovering it as it's coming to Netflix, and and that's yeah. I mean, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Now, how it, does that work? Is it is it that Netflix will pick Buys up shows it. that are okay? That's what I thought because yeah. when we were talking about they Voyeur, when we were talking about Voyeur two weeks ago, I was like, I watched this like three years prior. Yeah, and I was like, you were mm-hmm. like, it's on Netflix, and I looked, and it was a Netflix original, and I was like, it's not. No, it original. can't be because I literally what I remember like making note of it and being like, this was crazy. This I was think they rebrand. So actually, I mean, it might have been on Netflix all that time. I don't know. Um, but I watched it on like Prime. Oh well, okay. So I mean, so, it, like, but I think it's one of those things where when they buy the rights to it they rebrand it because like Lucifer, yeah, okay. like even okay. the, even the first seasons of Lucifer are now carry the, a Netflix original title right. to them, okay, even though they aired on Fox. I was like, am I just crazy? Do I just not remember things? Well, yeah. early, um, or... Netflix might've rebranded it and added some, and they could have added something. Exactly. No. I mean, even if it's just like a disclaimer at the end or something, I mean, who knows? Yeah, I, I don't mean, know. They how only have to do so much if they own yeah. the rights to it. Right. They don't have to change anything. But yeah. if they want to, then they can. Or if they want to update, like when we were watching the Epstein thing, it was like. And they made the they made the tweak at the end. Yeah. They added they on. added on to it, and it's like that's why sometimes I'll watch a documentary and I'll go back to it and a couple of years later. Speaking like, of, hey, just know, like, just real quick on the on the Epstein tip, did you see the bullshit that Ghislaine Maxwell's attorneys are trying to pull? No. They're you know they're very very concerned because you know she's lost 15 pounds and it's just it's not good for her health and she really really should be released uh on her own recognizance get the well, you know, all right, Maxwell. Hashtag white privilege. I mean, well, and so, and that's but the thing is, is like the, uh, part of the complaint was that you know uh, the guards are always waking her up on a regular schedule, and like there's all these intrusions. So they're like, yeah, they're trying to not f up like they did with Epstein. Like, right. bitch, you're gonna live. Oh, you want to talk about intrusion? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Right. Are you crazy. But yeah, so I was just curious if you had seen that. She's no, did a, not see that, but I'm glad what? I know she it. She was just raised as this little rich socialite, and yeah, now it's killing her that your your boy fucked you over. Yeah. He left you stranded. Your boy fucked you. Yeah. yeah, he left you stranded. Yeah. Yeah, for don't, sure. Don't give us a hard time. Holding the bag and not the money bag, as it were. I'm actually, <laughs> actually I'm really surprised, though, that like she hasn't been released because of COVID. Because that was like the Kenosha killer, the Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was released, supposedly, because of COVID or whatever the fuck. And I'm like, are you fucking... He murdered two people. Really? I thought he, he was. I thought he was held without bail. I'll have to, I'll have to go look. No, he was released. 
Oh, that's right. Because who's he? What's it? Um, wasn't it Ricky Schroeder that paid his friggin' bail? I don't know. I don't know. Somebody fucking paid it. That's all I know. Some fucking asshole set up a GoFundMe for the fucking racist piece of shit, and yeah, and he got out. And it's just like, are you kidding me? Yeah, posted a two million dollar. Yeah, so he posted a two million dollar bond. But who the hell was I? I th- I gotta. I want to make sure I get this right because I don't want to. Are you looking it up right I now? I absolutely am. What a fucking champ you are. Dude. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. It was Ricky Schroeder. The documentary li- Dave on it. So the little kid from Silver Spoons, if you remember that show. Um, oh yeah. And then apparently, like, was on NYPD Blue a few years ago. Um, Ricky Schroeder is the one that bailed his ass out. What a what? piece of shit. Oh. Okay. That's like weird. This is a premeditated fucking crime. So I feel like his new name is Pricky Schroeder. That's his new name. (laughs) But you know what? Here's the thing, though, too, is like, okay, like the for me, the fault comes to the judge. Absolutely. How did you make it an even payable fine? Well, or yeah. Like I mean, I one. Bail. Yeah, I mean, you you would think. I, I mean, from a judge's standpoint, I mean, you do you do have to set bail, and and I would I would assume the judge probably said there's no way this kid's family is going to come up with two million dollars. Um, and well, then well, along, and he didn't he didn't expect the Trump I, or, uh, parade to make me in a bake sale. Who, to yeah, try bake to get sale. him out. <laughs> Like they're fucking. Insane. Oh my god, guys! They're it's cookies for Kyle. Could you buy cookies, cookies for Kyle? Cookies for Kyle. <laughs> Can I get some cookies for Kyle? Croissants for Kyle. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't feel like Trump supporters would know what a croissant is or how to spell it. So they, yeah. That's French bullshit. That's French. We only do. We we only do borscht. That's Russian we food. We only do freedom fries around here. Right. Okay. All right, so let's get into abducted at plain sight because this is gonna take holy a shit, this is gonna take a minute. Lauren and I have like pages and pages, pages of notes. and pages. However, mine are like just kind of bullet points, so I'm like maybe this won't take very long, but it might take us a while. Yeah. Okay, so, so uh, and again, I just want to say, I literally could not like I, I will give. So I just want to from just from um like a, a directorial perspective and and added like a just I want to give the people that put this together all the credit in the world for continuously making me just go, holy shit, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Literally the entire time right. I was like, what is happening? Like, because normally, like, so normally with like, you know, this... Five- Minutes is yeah, like no, yeah. Normally, with this kind of stuff, like oh, like voyeur, you know, like we talked about that. Okay, you know, so you yeah, get yeah, the yeah. you get the setup, and there's not there's not really many holy shit moments throughout the whole. Yeah. Like it's it's just basically adding some details and that whatever, yeah. um, you know, or even Epstein. Well, no, actually, I'll take that back. Epstein had a lot of holy shit moments, um, but yeah. like so, this one, like seriously, was just like every uh, ten minutes, like whole, they, yeah. they effing what. Yeah, her and I were talking about it, and it was like every couple of minutes we had to like either like, first of all we started doing all of our notes on our computers because we're both fast typers, and when I was doing my there's notes, just so much information, so much shit happening all at once that mm-hmm. we had to start typing on our computers, and we were still pausing it like every ten minutes or so oh. to be like, hold on, let me catch up really quick yeah. because there's so much shit that unravels. Yeah, there's so much shit. It's intense. 
Life. See, and one of the smart things I did down here is I put a TV right there, so I could actually, oh, I, could, oh, I, I, I could actually pull it up and watch it as we're talking about it if I needed. Yes, to. <laughs> I, love it. I was actually thinking about like, like uh, isolating some of the the. Uh, the audio and like yeah, playing it how because could we get it in here? It was just so much it's so crazy. It was so much stuff and I was like, you have to hear it the way that she's saying it. Like because you can hear the yeah. child likeness of her child. voice. Oh my god. And I wanted to like isolate some sounds and and then play them and I was like it's just too much to do in one day. So yeah. and I and I will say this like the the other thing that I thought was that they did a really good job of is obviously there are some old photos used. There are there is some old uh, like home video used and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah but I, but that, they obviously recreated a lot of stuff with yeah. actors and did a phenomenal job making it look like it was shot in the seventies. I yes. mean, other than the wig that they stuck on twelve-year-old Jan, yeah, the okay, that was a little bit. That? Yeah, that was kind of fucked. It was like a synthetic <laughs> mullet, and I was right. like, "What did they do to that?" I mean, player? honestly, that that was a. That's that kind of was seventies well, hair. Yeah, it, it really was. was. It was the actor doing it. Oh yeah, with the, and, like and, and you like, could tell that. Was yeah, crazy. yeah, and I'm like, like with the budget that you have, you couldn't like get some real hair. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Or just you cut, get some real. Hair. Just cut her <laughs> fucking hair for the point of it. I mean, the wig was you so bad. It was noticeable. It was bad. terrible. Okay, so um, we are introduced to the Broberg family um there's jan who's the first child she's known as being outgoing and a firecracker there's karen um who's the middle sister there's susan who's the baby sister and then um there's mom mary ann uh she was a stay-at-home mom and there's dad bob who he owned a florist shop for 40 years. And they all kind of say that they grew up in a normal, whatever normal is, household, um, what they deemed <laughs> normal, which is not normal. Um, the sisters are very close. Yeah. Um, she says that she was completely loved, nurtured, it, and listened. Very oh, yeah. So this, and I think what they were trying to get across is this is not, like, it's not a girl with daddy issues. It's not, you know, it's it's not the parents were gone or absent. It's not the parents were abusive. This is a what appears to be a very stable family. Right. And so in June of 1972, um, they met Bob Birchtold and his family at church. Um, the mom was in the choir there. They were active church go- goers. Um, what we later find out—they were is Mormons. They were Latter Days. They were. They were the yeah. the, the, yeah. LDS. the the weird Mormons. Yeah. The weird, the weird ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the weird ones. they describe what, um, Bob as effervescent, and he was wonderful and and charming, and they immediately loved him and the family, and um, he really hit it off with Bob. Uh, I call them just by their last names because there's two Bob. So I call Bob Birchhold just Birchhold, and I call uh, Bob Broberg just Broberg. Okay, so I was calling Bob Broberg Bob, and then Birchhold. Okay, 
just we for, should get on that. Yeah, page. should get on the same page only because they call him B. So we'll times. call uh, Birchfield is just B. B. Uh, and then yeah. Bob is the father of Jan. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so um, Marianne became close with the wife, who her name was Gail, and they said everyone just basically had best friends within the family. Like, well, yeah, because they had kids. Both families had kids. Yeah. yeah, five kids in one family, three in the yeah. other. Yeah, and so and so again, you're looking at this, you know, hey, whatever uh, you culty church people do, um, you, you know, but okay, you know, couples, you know, with kids, hang tend to hang out with couples with kids, um, whatever it, it makes not per- abnormal, yeah, especially if you have kids within the same age range, right? Because right. then it's like they can entertain Go each other, yep. we can be adults and hang out with each other, and that's all good and fine and dandy. So, um. Uh, Bert, uh, B used to take all the kids to school every morning and they would start off mornings with today's great day. So, and that's okay. So again, like, okay. So like I, I granted, I wasn't that old in the seventies. Um, but like, so like to me, it's, it, it was a little weird, and, but I mean, <laughs> like if you watch the South Park episode about Mormons, um, they are like very, very, and and it's I mean stereotypes yeah, exist. Community. Stereotypes exist for a reason. They are very clicky. Yeah. They are very overly friendly. They are very overly yeah. welcoming. Yeah. They had said that he would come over every night to talk to the parents. Like yeah. it was like every night the parents were together. Well, yeah, because dad owned a, you know the the dad owned a business and he owned a business and exactly. so they would talk business and. They, and they said that he was the fun dad, that he wanted to be around kids a lot. He wanted he was willing to sit down and do <laughs> yeah, a couple. You know, well, they even, described him as even being after fun. they said that they met him at church a week later, um, V had sent a like fruit basket to their home. And Bob was like, Oh my god, this is so nice. What a nice dude. Like this is great. And I was just like, I wrote next to it, like grooming. Like yeah. he's immediately starting to groom the family. Immediately it's starting not to even groom just the grooming it, the it, one person. It's like love, <laughs> love bombing on mass. Just right. like, um, if you watched, um, the Michael Jackson documentary, leaving, never, leaving Neverland, mm-hmm. he groomed the entire family just to get at the children. Um, so, uh, the kids loved B. They said he was like the fun dad. Um, and everyone noticed immediately he gravitated towards Jan. Who he lovingly called Dolly. Dolly. Yeah. Yeah. So if I say Dolly, that's who I'm talking about. But most of the time I will say Jan, but sometimes I have it written down and I might just read it. But Dolly is Jan Mm -hmm. and she remembers this very, very lovingly. Like it's like a pet name that he had for her. So, and then, um, this is where the, uh, creators put in these creepy ass recordings Mm -hmm. that they have of Birch told. Um, and he's recording himself talking about Jan and he says, he's recalling a time where he said to Jan, I said, my darling, you brought a special light into my life. We kissed. No man could love any woman more. And if I recall correctly, she was child. she was twelve at this time. Um. So when he kidnapped her, she was. I, I want to say she was twelve at the time the story started. Yeah. Well, yeah, when she kidnapped her, she was twelve. Wait, hold on. So this was nineteen seventy-two that they met. So she was. 
1974, he kidnapped her when she was 12. So she was 10. So she was 10 at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I think that in the beginning, she was nine and then turned I do kind of recall them saying that she was nine years old because I was like, oh, what a weird, yeah, you know, like time to be as a, as a girl growing yeah. up because you're kind of like in between that being a child, child. and you're, then also going well, into puberty. It's prepubescent. And well, it's and right some, there. And just, just throwing it out there for some people that don't know, because apparently I know a lot of people that need to like revisit sex ed. Some girls go into puberty between 9 and 11. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some girls, it's closer go. to like 12 to 14. Or even later. Or even later. But but I would say that most girls are like in between that like 9 mm-hmm. to 11 year, or 12 years old. So she could have been uh, pretty prepubescent. I'm actually surprised that they didn't talk about like when she did start her period. I was actually just, just because that, this, that would be so... That's important to the story, in my opinion. Yeah, and we'll get into that. See, um, I'm I, actually I don't know I don't know that I would agree that she would have been at that stage just because of and I don't want to I don't want to jump too far ahead, sure. um, but because of what the brother says later on. Okay. I, oh, about yeah. little girls. Yeah. Yeah. So I will agree with you on that. She could yeah, but I mean, even even if you start your period at ten, it's not like you wake up the next day and all of a sudden you look like a woman. No, like it takes years for years. that. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, she- my friend Heidi, uh, like the the summer um, after sixth grade, uh, like <laughs> she came back sporting D cups that were not there before. You know what though? So I mean, it happens. Steve. We know people Wonder like that. Bra. No, uh, no, no, they, they were. No, I, I assure you, they were real and they I were did, spectacular. I, 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 did <laughs> you, I did. I did. I can assure you. <laughs> I can say that, uh, you know, I'm not trying to give too much about myself or get too personal or anything like that. But at 11 years old, I was definitely having periods. So there was are that. there are people that have them. Earlier, earlier and than later. other. I mean, well, and it's and it's well, and it's worth noting that that's one of those things they've talked about with all of the like that tends to happen more these days because of you know all the chemicals in the food and all the hormones and and all the you know, sure. that would you know so I mean so yeah I mean we are I don't, but, I, I don't know if I agree with that though because if you remember like if you look at how young women used to birth children. Oh, and, yeah. That's not. I mean, the youngest, the youngest in the world was like five years old or right. something. Like to birth a child, to birth a child, yeah. was like five years old, and the the dad was like six or seven. So it's not. People are weird. I mean, I think that they were like not from America, but that doesn't matter at all. But I'm just saying, like, I think that if you wanted to look it up, I don't think it was like an American. No, it wasn't. I, in fact, I want to say it was South America. I want like maybe even but, Peru, yeah, if I, I recall correctly. Too. Yeah. South America, or maybe it was like even like it doesn't matter. Yeah. The point is that there's it's technically there are, feasible. Yes. History of this, right? Yeah. So, well, so that's why I thought it was just that was like an important fact that was left out because we'll yeah talk about it more. Anyways, so um, the parents did notice that he had like this fascination with Dan, and they did call it disturbing at the time. So I'm like, okay, immediately you had a red flag and you didn't follow your gut. Right. 
which is just so fucked up. Well, she described him as like a second father at first. Actually, all of the girls described yeah, him but, as okay, a second Okay, even father. if as a kid, you're looking at this dude and thinking he's a really nice guy. You're, I am not in at all. No, yeah, no, I know you're not. But I'm just saying like as parents like if you have that gut intuition ride with it like bye <laughs> goodbye uh, enti- this entire thing is based off of that yeah, right and is. and it so really but again so the, i mean the one thing that i think this documentary makes painfully clear is how naive the, the parents oh, are yeah. above anything else and and again keep in mind you're talking about a time contextually you know in 1972 we're, you know, 25 years before the internet or 20, you know, there's no, you know, people don't know what they know now. Like, yeah, I mean, you still, you know, Hey, that guy's the weirdo in town. Stay the hell away from him. Um, you know, but it, it you know, small town life in the seventies, a little bit yeah. different than small town life today. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, oh even, yeah. Even at one point in there and just like I said, we'll talk about this stuff more, but even at one point I say like, that wasn't a thing. Like pedophile wasn't a word. Yeah. So like the yeah. FBI agent, the FBI agent wasn't. Yeah. Didn't know about pedophile. Exactly. Yeah. So like that tells you just about the time period we're in. Um. So on October seventeenth, nineteen seventy-four, uh, Birch told ask uh sorry B asked right. to take Jan horseback riding. Um, mom is hesitant. She has like a piano lesson and school's the next day. But Jan begged. Uh, well, and the mom even said she had kind of a weird vibe about it and was yeah. like, yeah, no, you know, you've got you've got school. It's a school night. You got piano tomorrow. Yada, yada. Let's do it another time. Home for dinner. Yeah. yeah. So we know that it's like before the lights come on type thing. Yeah. Like when we were kids. Right. Before the lights come on. So, um, eventually mom relents. He picks her up from piano practice. Yeah, the next day, I believe, right? Yeah. The next day. No, it was the same day. Oh, I thought she, it was a different day. No, she had piano practice that That night. night? So okay, he okay. said, I will pick her up from piano practice and we'll go. Oh, okay. I thought it was the next day for some reason. Okay. And so he brought her. I did too, but I feel like I just. He brought her that. allergy pills. Um, out quickly and she has recollection of the drive um so keep in mind jan is 12 years old at this time um at 9 p.m she still wasn't home um and gail uh b's wife went over to the broberg's house and um was basically like he's not home i don't know where they are please don't call the police yeah she says don't call the police because they'll be home yeah she knows that he's not doing anything that he shouldn't be doing right they were gone for two fucking days so and i will tell your days i will say this the this is one of the things where i think this documentary is a huge miss they do not spend very much time at all talking about the wife of this guy and whatever that uh, dynamic well, was. One of my notes is where the fuck is anyone, the five kids or the wife, right. during this entire documentary? Well, because also, though, if you think about it, like... But if you think that they're... If you think that they're guilty, then you would be like, yeah. Well, but well, like, I, I don't even know that I would necessarily expect them to take part in the film. I just mean they don't spend any time at all talking about... How she clearly was an enabler for him, and how she clearly, 
Yeah. yeah. But even as his kids, though, like if I was hearing about this years later, because we're talking about a documentary that was made 30 plus years after the fact. Right. That they would be like, oh, yeah, I remember this. And this was fucked yeah, up. Yeah, but you're probably or... hesitant to talk about it because you're embarrassed. No, I, I totally agree with that. I'm just saying that there in no part of this is right. there anybody in his family, the five kids or his wife. Yeah. We don't hear from well, them Well, and all. also there's very little about his his past. I mean, we hear a little bit about it, but not a lot. Yeah. I, mean, I would love to know more about how this guy was raised. His brother is a fucking weirdo. Well, and mostly, and that's the thing, mostly you only hear about it from him. Well, no, I mean, so, you, I mean, the brother, you know, so the brother has his take, but yeah. you only hear the story about the aunt. You only hear the story about, you know, basically being abandoned and living in the shed and all that kind of, you only hear that from him. Your family and then maybe snippets from him yeah. and then mostly his brother. But then you're like, this right. guy's a fucking pedophile. How much can I believe from what he's right. doing? And that's my point is, yeah. Right. Exactly. So, um. The family calls the FBI. The office was closed. So they just wait until Monday because they were like, if it's an emergency, you can call these people. This other office that's open. Yeah. Another office that's open. But the mom was like, well, we don't want to raise she said, a flag. She like, said we that don't want to bother anyone. Yeah, exactly. She like, didn't follow through because she didn't want people to freak out about something that she didn't think was this big deal. Well, because again... 1970, you know, so 70s, no cell phones, right. no whatever, you know, they, so they could have, the car could have broken down somewhere and they were stuck. It, 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 yeah, but then the broke down. But, but, but not for two days. Yeah. Even fucking for, no. for five days, though, because so they, October 22nd, 1974, they finally reached the FBI. And this is where we're introduced to the FBI agent that was handling the case, Pete Welsh. Um, it had been five days at this point. Um, and the FBI agent is basically interviewing the family, and the family is hesitant to say that... The words you're looking for are in denial. Right. Yeah, so <laughs> the FBI agent is like, he kidnapped her. And they, like, don't want to say that. Like, they don't want yeah. to say that she had been kidnapped. Um, they were reluctant to believe it. Oh, yeah, because they're like, no, great guy, friend of the family. Wouldn't, you know, yeah. nobody would ever do. No, it never happened. And the FBI agent was like, no, he kidnapped your daughter. She's gone. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Gil ends up saying that um, they have a motorhome together. Mm -hmm. And so the police go to follow up on where this motor motorhome is. And they realize that it's now gone. It gone. Um, a couple days later, they find an abandoned vehicle. And the window is broken out. There's blood in the driver's seat. It looks as though someone had tried to kick it, had tried to get out. So it was like it was broken from the inside out. Yeah. yeah. From the inside out, there was blood on the driver's seat still. And that he had left blood to confuse them, to yeah. basically make them feel like, oh, maybe Birch, somebody had come for he them. He and Jan had both been kidnapped. Basically. Oh, yeah. So that was, and that was the FBI agent was like, oh, yeah, he's like, my first thought was, no, they didn't both get kidnapped. This yeah. is what this guy has staged it because, well, oh, by the way, saw, like, the there's another set of tire tracks. And car, yeah. It was like, I mean, they well, and, and only one set of footprints. Was that, I said it only one set of footprints. Yeah, exactly. One set of yeah. footprints. So he was carrying her. One set of tire tracks, and then they found well, and, blood. And no kidnapper, because only one set of footprints. So 
the FBI is investigating this as a kidnapping and it becomes a nationwide search. Um, the parents are so naive. It's so, so painful. It's like, it's seriously painful because I feel like even them being recorded 30 years after the fact, the way they talk about it is still so naive. Like they aren't angry. They look. No, they like we just. They're like really believed. They're like reminiscent <sighs> about their time with B. I okay, but again, so keep in mind, you're we're filming this forty years after the fact, mm-hmm. we're, and we're also as we find and, and and you know not that this is a spoiler or anything, but as we find out at the end, this is many years after they have written a book. And like the mom and daughter that the mom, you know, and the mom and daughter have done the book tour thing. And so they've talked through this a lot. I mean, I get it, but I would well, be so fucking but, pissed. But I don't think that the is. sisters, I believe like the sisters showed a lot of raw, raw emotion. Yeah, they did. I will say this too, though, like Dave in your defense too, where it's like, uh, when, when we're talking about all this stuff that's happening, it seems like, they've had that time to heal over it and and they're like basically like we know what happened we already know the story yeah. it's not something that happened last year we've gotten through our part yeah i mean like literally you're talking it's almost 50 years ago now Right. Like, think about that. Uh, and that's crazy. Yeah, it is. About. Yeah, wow. That's crazy to think about. The 70s don't feel that long ago. But it's like, but I see where you're coming from, too, Lindsay. Yeah, 20, 2060 is now as far away as 1980. I don't like that. What? <laughs> right. Ew. <laughs> It's, Who are you? Get out of here. I feel the same way, Lindsay, too, with like what you said, where it's like at the end of the day, like no matter what, I would be like, this is like, fuck this person. I, and just, I would feel so passionate about it. But it seems like maybe they've had the time to kind of like heal over it yeah. and like decide how they feel about it and everything. And, and we're talking about people that have heard from, heard about this within the past two years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And not as people who have lived right. this in the for past 30 years. For 50 yeah. friggin' years, yeah. Exactly. So, like, I feel very, very, like, uh, this is something that I would be really passionate about, and then, but when I think about it long-term, I go... It's just, like, they don't have any slight they don't. of You're anger right. in their voice. You're absolutely I right. I mean, you can tell that they're hurt they're and Mormons. that they're traumatized, but, like, it's just... <laughs> And we'll let we'll talk about it more. So again, we're then Mormons. <laughs> <laughs> so we're then introduced to Joe uh, Joe Birchtold, who is B's brother, right? And he says, "My brother was a sexual pervert." Oh yeah, that's and I, I love how that's that's oh yeah, my brother's always been a pervert. He had, a, he had a thing for little girls. <laughs> I knew that he molested my own sister at six years old. When she was well, there. but she was just a half-sister. So, you know, even though she was six and he was 12, meh, you know. What the fuck, dude? Like, the way he's just so nonchalant about it. It's yeah. so bizarre. So the FBI didn't even really have a term for pedophile at that point. Um, this was the first pedophile case that Pete Welsh had worked. Yep. Um, just to give some context to th- this is a new territory. 
for the FBI. Yeah, even. Well, yeah, because I mean, the FBI guy said, "Hey, you know, like, yeah, we've we've all, you know, because back then that was when the whole stranger danger thing um, yeah. was a big thing. Which, oh, by the but way, until the 80s. Oh, oh no, that was around in the seventies. It absolutely was. was and, it? Oh yeah, and so, but and that's well, that screwed so that screwed so many people because, like, okay, cases like this, it's not a stranger. Are you That's sure the that was around in the just because the only reason I'm questioning that is because I've listened to so many true crime and like the 70s is when serial killers were running rampant and I feel like it wasn't until after like Ted Bundy which was like mid 70s uh to late 70s early 80s that we really understood that like a nice looking person could, always equate right, doesn't equate person. to be a good person. So, right. stranger danger. Um, I could be wrong. Dave's looking it up right I now. I totally am. He needs to prove me wrong. No, not at all. Uh, <laughs> just for the sake of... Yeah, no, I'm just curious. Uh, so, here you go. It started off with a British public service film in 1973. Okay. But that was Britain. So, when did it come to America? Uh, I mean, we're behind the times by a lot. Uh, uh, used by the Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh in 1973 as well. So, okay. so right so, around this time is just becoming, it's just yeah it's like when it's becoming a thing. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So we also know that um, at this point, B is willing to do anything to separate Jan from her family or. Jan from her sisters. I just also wanted to add that we found out that he tried to seduce two other little girls um, right after, yep. in the God. city uh, before the parents had cut it off. Mm-hmm. So he he obviously has he has a history a of doing sickness. this. Yes, he has a history yeah. of seducing children. Well, and yeah. so and and again, this is where I because uh, you know, the dude, <laughs> this poor this girl was failed. So many times on so many different levels. Yeah, because in so like right, kind of like you know, again we talked about it with the Epstein doc. You know, the first report in 1996. Nobody pays attention to it until 2006. So like the the parents of the girls that he had gone after before went to the church elders about him. Um, and, and so, and that's, and they, and the, the church elders were the ones that like basically told him to GTFO and, 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 and stay away from those kids and that kind of stuff. So the church knew about this guy and what his proclivities and interests were. Lauren and I talked about the LDS love some little girls. They love some little and girls. And they love hooking up some older men with some little girls. I mean, that is in the church I mean, that's history. literally that something That is literally that something done. that has happened up until... It's probably it Warren, whatever the fuck, Warren, Jeff Warren, Jeff Warren mm-hmm. is, like, in prison right now yes. for exactly mm-hmm. that. The same thing is hooking up so old men know. with little girls. So it's like, that doesn't shock me that the church was complicit. So, well, one thing I do want to bring up, too, is that before we, like, see her brother or his brother, um, they do say that she is gone for a couple of weeks. And then the community was basically saying that he would never hurt her, that he would. They were rallying. He's a great guy. They were, like, literally, like, making it seem like (laughs) this guy is a fucking pillar to the community. And that, um, and that's right before we meet mm-hmm. her brother or his brother, 
who is trying to like, um, he's not advocating for him, but he kind of is because he's just like, oh, well, you know, they loved each other and everything. So, you know, later on, he says that later on. But even even at the beginning, I'm like, this guy seems so nonchalant. He's so nonchalant. Yeah. Like about the, oh, I knew he liked little kids. Oh, I knew that he liked children it's uh, like, he's a sexual pervert okay guy i guess you just like, like i like would, that's okay like i would say my brother's a hockey player it's just like you just right. Right. Get it on, like, it oh yeah yeah it's just he's nothing. A pervert. It's nothing. so i but i was like kind of concerned about that because when i saw that he was saying that you know uh that he that that the community in general was saying that he would never hurt her and everything it's for the family they're saying they're going like to me, as an outsider, I'm going like, "What the fuck?" Like, fucking say something, right. go do something. But if I was living in that kind of community, and I can't say what I would do, but I would, I'm just saying that in that kind of kind of community, I would like to think that I would have taken different actions. But at the same time, like these people are like so understanding and so and again, early seventies, small town life kind of cultish church that's all about forgiveness and acceptance and friendly and da 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 yeah, like everything's alright and the, it's not an unusual hookup with an older man and <laughs> a young girl <laughs> Great. now I just I just have like now I'm annoyed that like Tom Jones wasn't in the documentary going it's not unusual no, I'm sorry so also just to add on to the thing with his brother we don't know if they were like estranged at that point and i don't even know if he was living in that community oh, no, that I, there's no because evidence he, of that because he actually has ties to wyoming so he could have been a state well yeah so i mean well actually I mean, we know that we know the brother wasn't there yeah, because of like the as we learn later with the car dealership and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. So it 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 doesn't seem like the brother was there in town. Right. Yeah. So he, exactly. he probably wouldn't be able to alert anyone, and maybe he just thought, well, he got married and he had some kids. And right. Cool deviancies went away. He got that out of his system. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so his brother basically says that uh, he would have done anything to separate Jan from her family, and and then we learn that. Oh. At some point when they're like the children are living in the same room that B says, don't you want your own rooms and builds a wall and the the girls don't realize it at the time, but he's trying to separate Jan mm-hmm. from the other girls mm-hmm. and she's the oldest. So it makes sense that she would have her own room um, and that she she says something else before that, like she says like, oh, well, he it gave him an excuse to be there. Oh yeah. And nobody's you know, in nothing nothing said in her and bedroom. Then, and then she goes, Well, yeah, and for him to be alone with Jan too. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought to myself, like, oh, it sounds like maybe the camera crew was like, Don't you think maybe that was a tactic to get her alone? Yeah. Yeah. And then she's like, Oh yeah, I guess so. It just seemed <laughs> like when she said it. Now that like, you mention it. It was the right. secondary thing that huh. she said where for me I would have been like, It's to get her alone. And in fact, I thought to myself, Oh, it's to get her alone. And then she goes, Well, it's an excuse for him to be there. And right. I was like, Yeah. Well, and I think you're isolator. really missing like a key point there. Right. And then when she says, Oh, to get her alone too. 
I was like, they prompted her to say that because she had. Because, <laughs> you know, we, we learned about those sneaky film crews from the voyeur. We know. <laughs> we learned. <laughs> Really? <laughs> well, you know, she was a child at the time. She, yeah. she didn't even think about it. And it was well, like, oh, well, why did I guess so too? fucking think because about it? Because the parents it. didn't fucking think about shit. Dude. So, okay, so then we learned the Bergmans and the Birchels. But we also learned why the parents didn't think about it a yeah. little bit later on. Right. Yeah, so Bergmans and the Birchels, they had sleepovers all the time. Birchold molested Janet these sleepovers. She specifically specifically remembers a time where she woke up with her panties. Oh, the creepy trampoline story? Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. creepy trampoline story. Um, so in June of 1973, Jan went with the family to Seattle for a vacation. Birchell drugged her on this trip. Um, and she was like at dinner and she was like all wobbly and stuff. And he was like, I have to take her back up to her hotel room. She's not feeling good. Something is wrong with her. Um, brings her back to the hotel room alone and she wakes up and he's naked. Which again brings me back to why don't we know more about the wife? Right. Why right. don't we know more about the right. wife? I want to know right. more about the wife. Where the wife was like, huh, that's a good idea. Um, so in fall 1972, two years before the kidnapping, we find out that Mary Ann um, basically started, it wasn't Mary Ann that started it, but Birchold started like flattering Marianne and she was bringing him lunches and she found him charismatic and he was like doing things that her, her husband wasn't doing. And she was in her marriage for like 13 years at this point. And he was basically making her feel like wanted and he was making her feel special. And um, we find out that, uh, she had feelings towards him and they went on a drive or she went on a drive with him and they got cozy, but nothing else happened besides making out and him touching her breast. Uh, they didn't sleep with each other at that point, but that's him grooming. But she was also thinking about it every day yeah. and was like, oh, I remember the touch. I remember mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. way that he was talking to mm-hmm. me. I remember him telling me that I was so beautiful. Yeah. My body's so beautiful. Yeah, it was a lust situation. It, exactly. And it was, it was <laughs> a very, uh, like, touch and go. Mm-hmm. Here you go. Yeah. So this is the most fucked up part of the document. Well, one of them. There's a lot, but this is a big fucked up one. So B and Bob Broberg go on a ride one day and B is complaining about his wife um, and how much he doesn't like her and how he is sexually frustrated Found a little pe- found a little piece of information. Uh, so the reason why she basically disappears from the documentary um, and why they are not featured in the documentary at all. Um, uh, so she apparently filed for divorce between. Uh, so after this kidnapping happens, but before what we'll get into with the second situation, um, filed for divorce, took the kids, 
and left. Um, and, and this, there, she may have changed her name, um, there, uh, and you know, and the kids' names, uh, and was, and so like they did. Apparently, they did find them. The so apparently, they did find them when they were filming, and all of them said, "Look, we want nothing to do with this. No. Leave the pat. Yeah, we want. Yeah, we don't want. We don't want to be touched. Yeah." In, in my notes, I do have a thing saying like that she asked for a divorce and that they like disappear and that. Oh, no, nothing... I thought that was about Marianne. No, that was about. Oh, yeah. So I actually I didn't have notes that. about that. But I was just curious because like, you know, I've seen a lot of documentaries just in my lifetime where these people will come forward for that kind of stuff to be like, Hey, you know, like this was something that we experienced or something that we saw, whether it's for their father or against their father or mother or whoever it is. I've seen documentaries like that. So um, when they were, when they were so openly talking about the, the people's names or that they had five children and all that stuff, I was like, Oh, for sure. We're going to see, see them. And when we didn't, I was like, oh, that's very weird. And they did touch down on that. And you're absolutely right. So if you're interested, there is a podcast called The Happy Face Killer. And it's um, a daughter who her dad was a serial killer. And so she talks about like long periods of time where her dad was away from the family and how he would like operate the family and move them exactly. to somewhere else. So if you're just interested in like hearing hmm. the family's perspective on a serial killer, happy face killer, it's really interesting. Okay. Um, so back to this car ride that B and Bob Broberg go on. He's complaining about his wife and he's saying that he can't be relieved sexually. And um Bob Broberg looks over and sees that B is aroused. No pun intended. I literally did not see this coming. So he, Bob Broberg, relieves B. I said, he jerks him off. I said, then he takes Bob for a ride, literally and figuratively, and they jerk around. Like, I just... I go, what the, what the, what the... Right, like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, like, at no time in my life, like, I don't care if Bob sat down in the car next to me and went, dude... I got this raging heart on, and, and I and I got to do something about it. You want to go ahead and uh, you want to go ahead and take care of this for me? Want to help me? Nope. Dude, I'd smack him upside the back. Like, what? Are you, what are you? What? Who drugged you? Like what? Like who? Like, out of my <laughs> get, get out! Get <laughs> out! But no. So yeah, Bob. Bob just apparently yeah. Bob. Bob decided to take matters into his own hands. Uh, <laughs> And uh, and and uh, and went ahead and rubbed one out for him. That was uh, that was that's. That is insane. What a nightmare! Because I was like, "This is wild that we're even that dealing is... with that." I did like I like literally I like I can't I, I like I'm going like in my head I'm like the Terminator going through the list of responses what? that you would give to someone. Have happened. Like you would have to be <laughs> holding a gun. Like I I just I right I just I don't yeah yeah. And he wasn't. It was willing. Yeah. Just, just helping. It. That's what friends are for. I mean, the 70s were a That's what friends time. are for. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, they were, but come on. Like, uh... More sexually free, <laughs> even if you're in the L. Uh, L- I was about to say the LSD. The LSD. I, you know, a little mind altering, never, you know, it's not that far off. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
Uh, Birch told said he did this uh, with Broberg to have access to Jan. Um, and Peach, Pete Welsh, the FBI guy, said he played them perfectly like dominoes, knocked the parents right Oh, out. yeah, so and, and that was the thing, is they get into basically, yeah. okay, so here is... But not only Jan, not only isolating Jan from her sisters, but making sure that now he has the power to isolate the husband and wife away from each other. Yeah. So there goes that support structure, yeah. and being able to make sure that he has that in, so to speak. Yeah. He's a monster. And I feel like right about now is when you need uh, what's his name uh, from the infomercials, Billy uh, Billy Mays. Said, but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. So, 1974, uh, we find out that he was reprimanded by the LDS for involvement with another young girl. Uh, The LDS, oh, I wrote, this is just a side note. The LDS loves grooming young girls, so that's weird. Um, (laughs) That seems out of character. Right. That's weird. The church tries to counsel him. Um, and he also went to a psychologist in California for his obsession with Jan. Uh, Birchold tells Broberg that he was sexually assaulted by his aunt at four years old. Which we tried to figure out before and we couldn't figure it out. But I, we're also girls. So. Well, I was just wondering, like, like, was it fellatio? I just don't. I mean, I, I feel like what, what what was the circumstances where that would because even be? He said, because actually he said that he had sex with his aunt. So when I think sex, I think intercourse. But Same. I mean, I was an early bloomer, but goddamn. Four years old. Four? Yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were trying to like figure out like. What are the mechanics of that working? Yeah. What is the mechanics of that? I where, don't understand. Where is that? Exactly. Um, so um, he says part of his therapy is going to lay next to Jan. Um, so he needs to lay next to Jan and basically like control his compulsion. Oh, yeah. So this. Yeah. So he comes. So he, he talked to the parents and he says, look, here's the deal. Yeah. I have these issues, you know, because of my aunt, I have all these really screwed up things in my head. Um, and my my doctor says that one of the things I'm supposed to do is lay down next to little girls. So they allow him to because it's part of therapy. Right? Um, Which, and again, take let's take two big mother may I steps back. Cool, dude. Go lay down next to your own kids. Right. Right. Right, why? Why? Why is it got to be my daughter? Right, what? Uh, get out of here! Right, or I'm gonna sit there and watch you later. Yeah, wackadoo. Yeah, some Dalai Lama bullshit. So, um, he slept with Jan four to six times a week for six months. Um, the psychologist was not an actual psychologist. They well, were, used to be, but had lost his like, license to practice because of his crazy ass bullshit. Yeah, fucking nuts. Um, so Broberg claims. Oh, and they. Is this where we heard? Is this where we heard the tapes that yeah. this doctor had sent him? Or like, imagine, imagine her rubbing her yeah. head. Like, what in the ever living? Uh, okay, it was so... like he was purposely trying to arouse him. Yeah, right, so it was like while he's rubbing, next she's to stroking her. you faster. She is, you know, like laying next to you, like. It's very like sexual without being sexual in nature, 
but it sounds like it's sexual. Yeah, it even, sounds even he's though trying to arouse him. what he's saying is not super sexual. It's it sounds like it could be. So So Bob Broberg claims they didn't see the red flags when all there is is fucking it's red flags. A it's red all flags. red flags. Literally all um red. so then we go to day one of the kidnapping. Jan says she woke up on the bed of a motorhome. She was strapped down, yep. um, uh, wrists and ankles. A monotone voice kept talking through a recording, and she, it sounds like an alien. It was like a like one of those old uh, like old intercom boxes. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. And um, she thought she had been kidnapped by a UFO. Uh, she was in and out. You know, I, I, I just, you know what? If he weren't such a sick, maniacal bastard, you almost have to admire the level of planning and scheming that he went through to pull this off. Like beyond. I mean, it's insane. Like if he could have just used his powers for good. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Like the lengths you have to go to to be a criminal. Criminals aren't lazy. I mean, no. you have you got a lot of not the good ones. Yeah, yeah, not the good ones. So, um, Zeta and Zethra are the aliens that told her that she was part alien. Um, her mom was her biological mom. But her dad was not her actual mm-hmm. dad. So she was per alien. Mm-hmm. Her mom was actual her biological mom. And she equated this kind of to the story of um, Mary and Jesus uh-huh. and how Joseph was. And and she, this makes more sense in the context of that she was a deep spiritual kid that uh-huh. had been going to church her entire life. So that's why this didn't maybe seem so odd to her, I guess. I don't know. Well, and again, Um, so it's, again, 70s, no internet, way before the X-Files, way before any of the, you know, there's no, we're, we're, hey, we're still, we're still years away from Star Wars at this point. Right. Yeah, that's true. You're right. And she believes, like, hook, line, and sinker that this is what's happening She's 13. Well, she was actually 12. She was 12. 12. It's like, she's sitting there going, like, I'm about to go through puberty. Mm Mm-hmm. This stuff is happening to me, and like I feel like this is real life, and yeah. like I can't give her a fault for any of that. So oh, it is is this when like they they lay like the aliens lay out the plan for her, if so I recall correctly? Yeah. The mission was that she had oh, yeah, the to mission. Have sorry, yeah, the mission. Yeah. She had to have a child by the time she was sixteen to save the alien planet because it's a dying planet. Um. The backup plan, if she doesn't have a child by the time she's 16, was that they take her younger sister, Susan. Susan, yeah. And uh, B was the person the aliens told her she needed. Um, she wakes up. She's untethered from her uh, oh, I don't her restraints. And she sees him in this motor. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't, I didn't think the aliens just, I don't think the, like the aliens, like it's not him. I, I like, they never specifically said it was him. They just said that they had picked well, the other male subject companion. and then he walked um, in. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So after she has her ankle and wrist things off, she wakes up in this motor home and she goes out into 
he's all cut and bloody and she's crying and she's shaking him like be wake up and she's just so glad to see him because that's a person she trusts right oh and so so that was so actually so that was something that was left yeah. out from the creepy trampoline story so the creepy trampoline story uh you know he's laying next to her and her panties are around her around her ankles and he says, oh, well, you know, you were squirming a lot and you must have been uncomfortable and taking them off. And she's like, you know, and she's like, that's a reasonable explanation because it's not a reasonable explanation that this person that has been a friend of the family that I know and trust would do anything to me. And see, and here's, Absolutely. And here's the thing, like, I am not leaving it up to 12 year olds to make a reasonable explanation. Right. It, no, and like, nobody it, it's no. not her prerogative. Now nobody is. To make that mm-hmm. decision. She's a child. Yeah. Um. So it's sad that she was trying to rationalize all of these things, these creepy fucking things that were happening to her. Um. So um, when she goes out there and sees them, um, or sees, I'm sorry, sees B, um, he claims that when they were driving to these horse tables, like a bright light came down <laughs> and basically took them. So basically they were abducted. Yeah, they were abducted. And she's like, no, we're here together and we have a mission. And she knew this was her male companion that they were talking about. Mm-hmm. And she believed this alien story absolutely mm-hmm. Um, during the first few weeks, she has no concept of time. She, um, thinks she was drugged most of the time. Uh, he showed, oh, he had like books laying around in the, um, motorhome of books on sex and how to have, and she was looking at them regularly. Um, and the aliens told her eventually that it was time to have sex um she said it wasn't a violent rape um from what she perceived of a violent rape um and that he was actually really concerned about how she felt and that we find that well what a great guy what a what a guy she's still <coughs> She still basically she disassociated because she talks about watching the tree leave. The tree, yeah, the limb above the with the uh, the open hole, yeah. Yeah. She also described sex as what makes people happy. Yeah. And you know, like from that alone, you can like decipher that she is a young child I mean, and has zero concept of, of what sex. sex means, of what it is, even. Mm-hmm. And she probably found out through those books what intercourse exactly. was. Through, like she probably has no idea what it was. It was basically like you know, like the the joy of sex. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like. How to have sex? How to explain to your children about how to explain? Sex. Yeah, exactly. And it's like boy these, part goes these in, things girl that part. she's going through. Is she's like, okay, I basically have like a basic knowledge of what sex is, and then he's going to do this to me, mm-hmm. and that is my entire knowledge of what happens during sex. <sighs> makes me so sad for her because it's I'm so like, sad. as a as an adult who hasn't had anything like that traumatic, like happen like that to me, I can have sex without having that kind of like baggage. Yeah. Uh Like this trauma 
associated with it. Yeah. And, and now she forever, just that forever, sex is going to be associated with trauma. I, I do wonder like how she copes with that, but we'll get into that. Um, um, so November 20th, 1974, this is day 35 of her missing. Birchfold calls his brother and says he wants, um, him to go to her parents and wants to say, wants the him parents to, say, yeah. to grant permission for B to marry Jan because they had already married in Mexico. And they, because there were federal kidnapping charges out, they had already alerted the border authorities. They'd already alerted all that stuff. So as soon as this guy comes back through the border with her, he go in jail. Right. Right. So the brother, thank God he had a bit of a conscience, um, alerts the the FBI and the FBI taps his phone. And um, so they eventually end up tracing a call from B to his brother to Mexico and they find them. Um, The Mexican police, they went and they got them. Um, What's so fucked up is once they're in the custody of the Mexican police, um, B gives one of the policemen his gold ring on his finger and says, bring Jan to me. Yep. And And he does. And while she's there in Mexico, he says, uh, basically, this is a story you need to tell. Um, You don't talk about the mission. You don't talk about the aliens. You don't talk about the pills. Oh, because he says, I was visited by the aliens. And this is what they told me. And if you don't do this, they're killing everybody. Yeah. Yep. If if you don't, then that they're going to take Susan. Yep. Her parents will be blind. killed. Carol will go blind, and that her her father will die, and she would be vaporized, she would including be vaporized. her soul, which was a big deal because she was yeah raised in the church, and she thought like then there would be nothing after death if. If her soul was vaporized. So she finally returns to her family. Um, but Jan is very concerned about B. And she was mad that they called the FBI. And she is insistent upon the fact that nothing happened. Well, they take her to be examined. Yep. And the biggest thing about that is this that is her hymen was wasn't not, broken. It was intact. It was intact. And that there was no signs of trauma. And we know from when she's talking about her experience of having sex that she, he was only doing like an inch yeah, or so at a time, at yeah. time to like, you know, make it as a, it's unpainful, unpainful for her, but at the same time, it was like he knew that if yeah. at this time she was found to be not a virgin, that he could be in trouble. I don't know if that was his I, Emma. I feel like it but was. But also, though. we know now that like having your hymen intact is like not. That's it's not, not actually a thing. Not yeah, an indicator of virginity. No, it's not. But we. But I'm just saying that, like, with him only doing an inch or so at a time, yeah. 
it seems like he was trying to at least, if nothing else, yeah, make it somewhat enjoyable for her. Well, yeah, I mean, he, she thought he was. But for how though. long it took, you yes. would think that at that point she he would have been going fully inserted. And the the thing is, is that that's not the case. He wasn't, and I I feel like that that was probably because he knew that had he done that, that that would have been in the American law, considering that they were only under Mexican law, which was 12 years old, they yeah. be married. Mm-hmm. So Jan was sticking up for B, saying she had not been kidnapped. She basically resumed life as normal, but was so concerned about B and completing the mission Um, She was separating herself from the family. Mm -hmm. Um, Pete Welsh told the family to stay away from (laughs) Birchfold, and they didn't. Yeah, I think that was in here, but they did not. Like, like, he dropped a hammer between every single one of those words. It was so stupid because I was like... Like, what more do you need? I, yeah, what more do you need what to not more expose you your daughter or daughters right. to this man that right. you know is, like, doing all this shit? Because apparently so, he has a backup plan. Yeah. So, um, Gail, Birchtold's wife, goes over to the Burrowbergs on Christmas Eve and asks them to drop all charges. And they basically... Well, they did. They didn't basically. They blackmailed the Broberg family um, saying, you sign these affidavits or we will expose what happened between the Bobs. <laughs> or according or according to the, the, the SNL skit, the after Davids, because the David after signed David? it and then I signed it after David. I signed it after David. <laughs> well, even, even they were like ex- saying that they would expose everything what happened between B and Marianne as well. Yeah. Well, see, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think we've learned that at this point. I, I, I like, I, like, I think, right. I think at this point, it is just we know about the stuff that went on with the two guys. We don't know. Yeah, we have, we haven't learned part two, Electric Boogaloo yet. Yeah. So the letter said he had consent. So the letter that Jan's parents signed. The affidavit. Yeah. That he had consent to take Jan and that no one would serve well for continuing. The and it was it was an int- it was interesting the way they worded it. Like so the, the way it was worded in the after David or the I actually just said after David, the way they worded it in the affidavit was that they could see how he would have believed that he had the permission of the father to take her. One of the things that it said, it said, my daughter was not taken by force or against her will, nor do I believe that she, that he was doing anything to purposely hurt her or take her against her will. I mean, basically all they had, all the effort, the after David had to say was that the parents consented. Right. The parents were okay with it. That was it. And they covered their own asses and not their daughters. Yeah, well, and so, well, but so that's the thing is... Yeah. It was totally to make sure that the homosexual homosexual or or Marianne because okay in my notes it says I didn't have Marianne either. Marianne that's later because I I believe you guys have sex. I believe you guys, but all I'm saying is that that's what my notes said. I gotcha. Like okay, so whether it's Bob or Marianne doesn't matter. 
the point is, is that they were saying that we don't want anyone to know that this was a thing. And the only reason why I said that was because she said, um, it said that, sorry, hold on one second. That the attorney general was livid. Oh yeah. And didn't, and that they had no witnesses. Yeah. Pete, and that they he was released from custody on his own recognizance. Yeah, Pete Welch was pissed. The general public was pissed. The U.S. federal attorney was livid. And he basically said, we will have a trial. But the good folks of the church and the town were just yeah. happy to see yeah. B back. Yep. So basically, he just reinserts himself into the community. So to speak. Yeah, literally. Uh, So he planted a, like, what am I trying to call? Like a recording. A box. The little intercom box. Yeah, yeah. In Jan's room of the aliens talking again. And he appeared in Jan's room. And he told her the mission was going to continue and to keep following the rules. Same thing I have. Um, she would receive notes at school telling her to go to a phone booth where she would receive further instructions. So, and here's, like, that's where that's weird is so she said, like, friends would give her notes. So this jackass is, like, random friends and the random friends are going along with it and that, like, what? Yeah. Well, they're probably just like, I don't I don't know, know who this guy is. Fucking okay. yeah, me, like, bucks, they're but... literally 13 years old. Yeah. It's like they're just doing whatever. I don't know. Um, I also weird. had that written down that it was just like very weird that she was like responding to him, that the letters were coming from random friends, and that um, it was about him missing her. Yeah, and she got her. love letters from him, and then and she would respond. So she would respond, cor- like, uh, like, corresponding with him like saying that mm-hmm. i also love you and i think about you too and you know what i mean like our love must be so great and all this stuff at this point point she says that she felt like he was a husband exactly well and it's um, what's interesting is that they have in love with the man and at, she fell in love with him as a man rather than just like as somebody that as the fun dad about. yep well, and so the, and that's the thing. Like, so they have they have the letters, and so they they were showing you the the letters, and I and I do. I feel like they they did a good job picking a very young sounding voiceover actress to do the reading oh, yeah. to hammer that point home. Like well, she sounds like a small. Mm-hmm. She she actually feels herself that she's in love with him. Yeah. And, and then she wants she to marry him. A, and, and then she gets a letter from him about her being an Oliver. And oh, yeah. um, the she is singing the song, Where is Love? Or um, uh, not Where is Love. Uh, what he needs. Uh, Isn't it what uh, he needs? As long as he needs yeah. me. And I love fucking Oliver, and they ruined this entire fucking thing. <laughs> I'll, I'll never fucking watch it again. I'm telling you right now. I will never watch it again. Seriously. Like, this shit has ruined Oliver for me. I've tried to watch it since because I used to watch it on a bi-weekly weekly basis. And now I'm like, nope, can't watch it. Um, and he is talking about this song, As Long As He Needs Me. 
Mm-hmm. And he is like, oh, remember what it means in Oliver and and what that is saying. And you're saying that to me. And that's how I feel about you. Yep. And it's just so like to me, I'm like, I can't because that is like a song that I've known since I was a child. I really don't want to fuck it up, but it fucked it but up. But it's yeah. It fucked it up. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> Straight up, I can't. I can't listen to it anymore. Sorry, can't listen to it. I wish I could, though. So, um, eventually, uh, she is, like, talking to him about that, and it ruins all my musicals. <laughs> Spring of 1975, he calls um, daily to tell Marianne, her mother, that he's in love with her and wants her to come talk to him. To Marianne, not to... Um, See, and and this is where that starts. This yeah. is where he starts talking to Marianne and is like, I'm in love with you. I want you to come be with me. I want you to get divorced and live with me. And basically he's saying, I'm going to sponsor you and your children. I will buy you like a, a an apartment to be with me instead of with them. And then, he- and here's the thing. So let's yeah. let's 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 just again, because to me it's all about the flowchart. So at this point in time, she already knows uh, he had a little thing with the husband. She already knows he had a thing with the daughter. daughter. He already so she she already knows all of this, and yet, <laughs> and, and yet, begins an affair with him. There's more than a few brain cells missing. Oh, yes, absolutely. So she met with him at his motorhome. He kept saying how much he loved her and they would have a great life together and they slept together. Eventually, yeah. Um, after that, Birch called Bob Broberg and told him what happened with him and his wife. And then the the sexual affair continued. The balls on this guy. Hey, hey, buddy, just banged your wife. But here's the thing. The balls on this guy. No, he knew exactly who he was messing with. He knew that he knew that Bob Broberg didn't have balls. Right. He knew that Bob Broberg wasn't going to do shit. Yeah, true. He knew it. He knew that's where we're talking. Like, yeah, Jan wasn't necessarily vulnerable with how she grew up, but he knew his prey. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, so Broberg knew this was a ploy to get Jan. Yep. And he spent uh oh. Right so during this time of the whole um affair he spent the night twice with jan and it was sexual during this point so um broberg eventually files for a divorce um and marianne was served a subpoena to leave the home because she was endangering the girls um and bob broberg takes the girls out of town um Mary Ann then goes to an attorney because she didn't want the divorce. And um, the attorney told her to cut out the cancer, a.k.a. Bob Birch told. Get rid of this motherfucker. Get rid of the cancer. 
So she goes back home to Bob Broberg and says that she will cut out Birchhold and she didn't want him in her life anymore. Fucking and, finally. And Bob Broberg agrees to like take her back and they heal their marriage. Uh, during this time, Birchhold uh, agrees to a plea deal to a felony charge of kidnapping in which he would get five years. The five years was remanded to 45 days. So that's how seriously they take kidnapping a child and taking him over to Mexico in the seventies. Um, and Birch told, uh, moved from Idaho and bought a family fun center in Wyoming called Jackson Hole in 1976. Jan wants to go work there. Um, she is 13 at this time. And she was so insistent with her parents that everyone said that she basically made their lives miserable um, because she wanted to go work there and be with B. Um, Birchhold called um, Mary Ann and said, Jan is coming to work here. And Mary Ann uh, put her on a plane and sent her to Wyoming. Uh, she stayed there at Jackson Hole for two weeks. Two entire weeks, which is insane. After this guy just kidnapped her daughter. Um, so the mission... Sorry, child having technical difficulties. The, the mission continued, <laughs> a.k.a. more sex. Um, and then that's where I wrote Remarkable She Didn't Get Pregnant. And that's where I wanted to know about, like, which is crazy. what was happening because he was obviously actively trying to get he her pregnant. Trying to get her pregnant, exactly. Um, so I just kind of wish they would have went more into that. Where, like, was she not menstruating, or what was happening that she actually, luckily, thing, whatever. Oh, that would have been a whole new horrible dynamic to the story if that had been the case. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Birchhold eventually sends her home, um, but she still believes... Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, did we miss, did I, did I miss, the, because I'm sorry, like I said, kid was having, tech, this known pedophile bought an amusement park that kids yeah. went to, <laughs> mother of God. Yeah, yeah. Jackson Hole. <sighs> uh, yeah, so Birchhold sent her home, she, um, Jan still believes at this time she's trying to save a dying alien planet. Uh, Birchhold was insistent to her parents that he would have her. Like, you can have her. I'll send her home for this short amount of time, but I will have her. I, I almost pictured, like, I, I almost pictured him with, like, the, the old cartoon villain with the big curly mustache. Nah, she's going to be mine. See? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so they, uh, August 10th, 1976. Jan left a note to her parents saying she left without B um, and will not come back <coughs> until they accept her and B together. And she left this note on her bed. Mm-hmm. And they all felt like this wasn't any kind of language she ever uses. This was definitely orchestrated by Bob Birchold. So B called the parents and said she had run away and she won't even tell him 
where she's at. Um, they waited a full two weeks before calling the FBI again. Um, so your 13-year-old is missing and you wait two weeks again to call the FBI. Jan was gone for three weeks mm-hmm. when Birch told began his jail sentence. So it was kind of like they were proving that he didn't have her in that to me in that time. Yeah, yeah. Um, he began his jail sentence. He gets out early on good behavior, and then he disappears. Um, but he keeps calling Marianne and Bob, and he cries, saying how much he misses Jan. And the FBI tells the birds answering these calls because we're going to tap your phone. We're going to try to figure out where they are. So keep answering these calls. So there's a ton of recordings of him being like, I hope she's okay. And I just miss her so much. And I don't know where she is. And blah, 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 blah. Um, um, he says to Mary Ann, if you're laying a trap for me, I'll kill you. Yep. Which, how is that enough after the fact to get him sent to prison? Well, and not only that. Well, and then she's like, "Oh, well, you know, I've, you know, I, I can't tell if you're being straight with me or not." And you know, right. I kind of want to, you know, if you're lying to me, I'm going to have you killed. My brothers will do it. Right. <clears throat> yeah. She says, "My, I have a brother. I'll do it. No problem." Yeah, so um, these conversations were continual, and he says he's still talking to Jan, and she still wants to marry him. So he's alluding to the fact that he still has some communication with Jan, but doesn't know where she is. Um, FBI put a surveillance on a mom that they found, that they thought was him. Yeah, so, the, yeah, so they, they find him, finally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they knew... That he knew where she was. So he, um, what happened, he like went to a phone booth and made a call. And as soon as he left the phone booth, the FBI agents went up there and saw like a numbers circled to a page he had left open. And they call it and it's uh, a boarding house for girls. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a Catholic school for girls out in California. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, when they call there, they ask for Jan uh, Jan Brober, uh-huh. and they're like, she's not here. And they were like, okay, is she under some type of alias? Like, what is she under? And then finally, they discover that she was. Well, yeah, because yeah, because the FBI agents are like, well, you know, do you have any do you have any girls like? And they explain the right. whole situation to the school, yeah. and they're like, yeah. do you have any girls that have been enrolled there under mysterious circumstances? Yeah. And so they do confirm and that she has been there. Why, so yes. Was, yes, we have. <laughs> it was like Jan Tobler yeah. or something like that that she was listed under. And um, uh, they he had enrolled her there. Um, and again, and said, the story that he lays out is amazing. Yeah, he said that he was a CIA agent that her mother had died had been killed that they had escaped from lebanon yep because that was right and there was there was a lot of strife in lebanon at the time and there was like an embassy bombing and that kind of stuff um and so like and so this was you know that was in the news it was a plausible story 
or at least something that they would have been aware of for him to pick up on and build on. Um, And so, you know, and he made it very clear that, like, you know, so if, you know, if anybody comes looking for her, it's the bad guys and they're trying to get to me, Captain America. Hide her. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so what's mind blowing to me is like, so you didn't present any identification to the school, any birth certificate, anything that said that you were a parent and they just were like, okay, we'll take in this CIA agents. I mean, it's just, just, it's whatever. The mid seventies were a simpler time. It's I, I mean, (laughs) I get it, but it's mind blowing (laughs) right now to think of that. Um, so, um, they basically, they go into, they seize his motor home. They go into the motor home and they find like poster sized pictures of Jan. How creeperific was yeah. the inside of this guy's motor home? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not, and I'm not like, going to lie because so they, they get to the, they tell this part of the story before they tell about finding her at the Catholic school. My yeah. first, my first thought when they went in there and there's all those poster sized pictures of her, I'm like, he killed her. You're right. I'm well, sorry. Yeah, that's I what I thought. Like I he's like he's like he's built a shrine to her and he's killed her, yeah. and and this is his this is his memento mori. Like this is this is his mm-hmm. shrine to her in her death. I don't know. I don't think he would have. I don't think he would have killed her just because he was so sexually satisfied by young girls that like. But she's not. She's getting older. She's not. Well, so she it's, is, and we talk that comes into play uh-huh. too. Um. So, anyways, uh, oh, they this also in this time, Jan calls home, and it was like the first time they had heard from her in months. And the recording is so fucking weird, like it's very like high pitched voices, and like, um, she was just calling to say she missed them and she loves them, and I'm all good, and like. She also says, like, she has not seen B at all. So she's just, like, reaffirming that over, like, recordings. Um, so that was, like, super weird. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was again, clearly a scripted conversation because yeah. she's... 1,000%. She, because, oh, yeah, I mean... 100,000%. Because you, yeah. listen, you listen to the stories that B is telling the parents that she's on the streets, she's, it's prostitution, she's selling drugs, it's this and that. And then this phone call, she's very perky, she's very upbeat, she's very, I just wanted to say I miss you guys. Yeah. Yep, miss you. Yeah, that's bizarre. So I'm sorry, I did skip ahead a little bit by um, revealing that fact that they found her at that Catholic, so that's my bad. (laughs) Um, But, uh, Oh my god, you whore, you ruined everything. I know. <laughs> so um basically the agents of the FBI arrest him the next day for probation violation. Yep. Um she was forced on a plane to go home, and when she returns home, she's distant, she's hollow, she's like void of any emotions. Um, she's withdrawn. Um Well, and again, and I th- and this is why you, know, you listening to her now, like in in the contemporary times, and listening to her describe herself. Then she's like, "I'm convinced." She's like, "I was convinced that my family was going to be killed. That yeah. my you know my my sister's going to go blind. That yeah. all this others you know she's going to be killed. She was basically a martyr. Yeah. for her family 
or how she felt she was. Yeah. So on June 24th, 1977, Jan is home for 38 days. Um, an employee calls uh, Bob Broberg screaming the shop is on fire. His Yeah, his floor uh, shop, yep. Yeah, so they all go down. His floor shop is just in flames and oh yeah the dude the the contemporary footage and the newspaper articles like that was not a small fire like it's not well, yeah the fbi agent said that he burned down the whole street yeah burnt, yeah burnt, half burnt down yeah. half a block yep yeah um so um jan felt like this was her like this was her doing um, mm-hmm. because of what had happened. So she carried a lot of guilt for that. Um, they knew that Birchhold was behind it. Um, so he was charged with arson and robbery and come to find out he convinced some guys in jail to do this. Um, and, uh, well, and so yeah, I, and no, I'm, I'm sorry, the FBI couldn't pin that on. Him. Right. And so I, and I forget, is, they couldn't pin that have we already hit the point where he went and worked at his brother's car dealership? Oh, yeah. We, we skipped over a bunch of stuff. I'm sorry. I think I skipped. Yeah, no, no, no. So that's so that's why I wanted to make sure, because like one of the things his brother, because, again, his brother, yeah, dude, my brother's a total perv. But it said, you know, he's a total charmer. Like he's he's the consummate sales guy. He's like he sold more cars than anybody at the lot. He could talk exactly. anyone into anything. That, that they that he could sell anything to anyone. Yep. Any and so like that's and so that's that's kind of, that to me that was kind of the setup for, like you know we've I mean he's the consummate con artist. So that's that's how he talks the wife into this stuff. He, that's how he talks these guys to commit felonies for him and and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But I mean, so I mean, like the one, so the the one, the one, I think, like the one positive note, as it were, that came out of that is, you know, the, you know, she, uh, Jan says contemporarily um, that the one thing she really remembers of that night is her father putting his arms around his wife and all the kids and saying, "Let it burn. I don't care. Everything I need is right here." Yes. You're like, ah. I mean, like, yeah. yeah. Aw, yeah. gave a guy handy. You gave a guy handy. <laughs> and he burnt down your business. That's what we remember. And then, he, and then he banged your wife and burnt your, built your, burnt your yeah, store to the ground. Exactly. So um, Apparently you didn't do a good enough job there, Bob. <laughs> let me know if I'm skipping over some, but the next thing I have is now the charges are starting to rack up. He has first degree kidnapping, impersonating a CIA agent. Yep. Um, and well, because and now like the parents have said, screw the affidavits. We're all in. We're you know, whatever charges you're going to file. We're going to testify. Well, then he ends up being acquitted of first degree kidnapping um, by reason of mental defect. Yep. And signed by a judge. Um, he beat the arson CIA impersonation, both kidnapping charges. And I wrote white privilege. Um, he was ordered into a mental facility in 1977, released in six months mm-hmm. because, of course, he's cured. Right. Yeah, you know, I, 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 oh, yeah, and that, that was one of the recordings. You know, yeah, you know, the doctor really pointed out where this all stemmed from with me, and and it was just, yeah, it was just crazy. Yeah. So um, he said that he was raised by a step father and basically like kept in a separate house yeah that he, that he lived in the barn 
Um, and, and that he was very, you know, and again, and this is why I was saying before, like, you don't really get a lot of the family. Like, I think like, this is one of the, like where the brother could have basically been a bigger help to the story because you really only hear this from him. Wasn't this verified by the brother? And that's, that's what I'm saying is you, you only hear this from him. That what, that's what makes me think it's bullshit. It's all bullshit because we know what a consummate con artist he is. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, everyone feel bad for me. Right. I was kept away from the family in isolation in a barn. Right. Um, Dude, guess what? Lots of us had shitty childhoods. There comes right. a point in time when you can't blame your life on it. And we don't <laughs> grow up to be fucking monsters. <laughs> right. Weird. Um, so um, he also said he was sexually abused as a child. So, And then he says that he took care of... The burden was placed on him to take care of his younger sister. Mm -hmm. And if he took care of her, he could stay in the house. Yep. And this is basically where his um, compulsion. It's his compulsion, as the doctor put it. Yeah. Compulsion to take care of younger girls came from. Was this. Take care of. Right. (laughs) In the most fucked up way. Um, so, um, the next thing that I have, and tell me if I'm wrong, but the next thing I have is he starts losing interest in Jan because she's getting older. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wanted to go to like this drama camp at age 16. And she's actually worried about this because in her mind, the clock is ticking. Yes. 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 Um, her parents allow her to go because they're like, we want her to like start forming a normal life mm-hmm. after all of this bullshit. So they allow her to go. Um, and there was some story about like how a boy at camp was like interested in her. Well, so and and that's you know, and she said that that at, it was at that camp where. Yeah she started to have the life experiences that she needed to have in order to start questioning this entire chain of events. Story. Yeah. Right. Yep. 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 So she begins questioning. That's what I wrote. The alien story. Um, Her 16th birthday rolls around and she knows she needs to be pregnant Mm -hmm. according to the mission that was laid out to her as a child. Because that's what the aliens done told me. If she's not pregnant, um, by the time she's 16, she decides that she's going to commit a homicide murder. Well, and so her mom, like she calls back home at one point and the mom says, Hey, and you just, you know, Hey, how, how are things going? And, and the mom's like, Oh, I think I fed something wrong to the dogs. Cause all three dogs are just sick and not having a really yes, good day. Yes, yes. And she's like, Oh my God, this is be, like that. It's me. because I'm, I'm yeah. Cause yeah. And my immediate thought when I saw that was he poisoned the fucking family dog. Which wouldn't have surprised me either. Oh my God. I know. I was like, they're going to die. They're going to die. I can't watch a movie where dogs die. Yeah. That was my thing. But turns out they were fine. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Like, yeah, the next day the dogs were fine. And she's, and so that's where she starts, you know, that's where she starts like saying, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm 16. And, and, and the dogs were fine and, and my sister's not blind. Well, yeah. So yeah. she said she woke up on her 16th birthday and realized everyone was okay. Yeah. Um, she realized, uh, nothing she had been told was real. 
Um, so I think that's really when the spell broke and she realized she was uh, just been told a bunch of bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, so then eventually she tells her parents the whole story. Well, and doesn't yeah. doesn't she start by talking with friends? Yes, and and it's and it's the and it's telling her best friend. Yeah, and 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 the friends are like, "Holy shit, that is the biggest line of crap I've ever heard in my life." You absolutely have to tell your parents this crap, and that's when she finally breaks down and tells them, you know, tells them why she's been so distant and everything else. Yeah, but even her sister says that her parents didn't probe very much because they didn't want to know. They don't want to know the like they don't want to know the full story and what happened to her and where she was. And what exactly what she experienced. Yeah. And yeah. so then she said that she was, uh, she says that they engaged in sexual acts more than 200 times in the time that she was like experiencing her time with uh, <coughs> B. I'm trying to remember was, because uh, I do, I, I remember the number 200, but I'm trying to remember, like, wasn't that. She said, if I had to put a number to the amount of times that he tried to get in touch with me or wanted to get with me yeah. after the after the second time, she said it would have to be close to 200. It would have to be close to 200 times that he tried to contact yeah. her after the fact. And then, you know, after that... Obsessed much? She's saying that um, she engaged in sexual acts with him and that the mom decided that she was going to write a book on how this all happened and how Jan begins to speak about her sexual abuse in public. So, yeah, so 28 years later, right, we find out that um, she's speaking to people about her trauma um, from sexual assault um, publicly, and her mom writes this book, Stolen Innocence. Um, and the fucked up part is that B. Birch told keeps showing up at these events that they're speaking at to intimidate them and tell the people that are holding of these events they're telling lies yep. um don't listen to these people they aren't telling the truth um jan finally files and he uh, begins to threaten the family there, yeah. yeah jan finally files a uh, stalking injunction Mm-hmm. And he contests it, and they have to go to court together, mm-hmm. where they both show they up. Oh, and and she says basically, I can't believe this jackass contested it. I'm pretty sure he did it just so he could see me. Yes. Um. And that's the thing is that I've actually been in this situation where I've had to deal with that exact situation, and my person showed up as well. So, um. It, it's like you have you're being forced to be in the same room as them. You're just being re-traumatized and, yeah, again. Exactly. And, and we we talked about we talked about this. Questions about her intentions to make a movie. He's asking her. Oh yeah, about, there's courtroom tapes. So in the documentary, you actually see these courtroom yep. tapes. He doesn't even have an attorney. He's just sitting at the table and he's looking right at her and he's having a conversation with her. And he's just so arrogant and such a fucking piece of shit. It's just like Ted Bundy where it's like, I can represent myself. I don't give a shit. She eventually. I'm smarter than everyone. Yeah. I'm smarter than everyone. Right. And I can manipulate everyone around me. She eventually confronts me and she starts saying, 
Um, you know, like if you wanted to really apologize to me, then you, you would, would admit, admit mm-hmm. what you did was wrong and everything you were doing, yeah. and you would serve your time in jail. Oh, and that's yeah. and she, oh no, he's like, you know, well, isn't it your goal to have a movie made? She's like, no, it's my goal to not ever see your ass again. Right, right. And that just... that it's my goal to make sure that no one ever experiences the same trauma mm-hmm. that you did to me. You put me through, right? And it's a valid thing yeah. for her to want to do. Yeah. So and, and so for what it's worth. So the book is a the book is a different title. The book is called Stolen Innocence. Yeah, that's not yeah. bad. Okay. Sorry, I missed that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, at one of the events that they go to, she was going to be protected by BACA, which was Bikers Against Child Abuse, and um, Birchold shows up. And he clashes with these bikers, and basically he runs over one of the bikers, and the cops come, and he's arrested because he has a gun, and um, he's a felon. Mm -hmm. So that's a problem. It's aggravated assault. Um, Yeah, and and he's also charged with aggravated assault. And so this is where the brother is a little bit weird, because the brother's like, well... I mean, yeah, he showed up, but you know, the biker jumped onto the roof, onto the hood of his co- on the hood of his van, and you know, really made it look a lot worse than it really was. And yeah, like, dude, you were supposed to be there, dude. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but also, like, also, do we have? We didn't have like from the document. The people that make the documentary, like, I would love to read that real police report. Like, did anyone actually jump on the hood of his van, or did he just like drive straight through the biker? Right. I mean, we don't know. We're just hearing like. Well, because oh yeah, because that's yeah. The brother said, "Oh, you know, one of the, one of the right. bikers yells out, oh, that's that, that's yeah. him. Yeah. Let's get him.' Yeah, which, like, which is what you would to, expect. Like, save face for yeah. your brother, like for some odd fucking reason, because you're weird and you're missing a bunch of teeth. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's charged <laughs> with um this. Possession of having a firearm. Yeah, a felon in possession of a firearm as well as aggravated assault. Aggravated assault, and uh, basically he's going to go back to prison. Mm -hmm. So he decides to commit suicide. Yeah, apparently he was on heart medication. My favorite is the brother saying this because it's like the most anticlimactic thing. He's like, took a bunch of heart medicine and drank a bunch of Kahlua and killed himself. That's all he said, like. Just like Kahlua and milk, he drank he heart medication, Kahlua, and killed himself. Yeah, like no made himself some white Russians and just brother, nodded off. Yeah, like, his brother's just like, dude's a piece of shit. What dude, it's yeah. yeah. Well, again, same title. Oh yeah, my brother's always been a pervert. Yeah. Oh, hey, my brother ki- yeah. killed himself. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just it's wild. Like I want to know more about this family dynamic. Like. What happened to them as children? Something happened. So, and here's so here's a funny thing, or uh, actually a rather interesting thing. So, apparently, the people who made this documentary um, are attempting to get funding uh, to make a second documentary to specifically dive into the LDS and the and the culture of forgiveness and embrace and 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 why he was able to reassimilate back into that town so easily and why that was such a thing 
because they said that's the thing. They said because it's because one of the things they say is that it's easy. Like they said, you know, they you know, said, hey, you know, 40, at the time, it was like, you know, 45 years later, it's easy to look at these parents and be like, you're effing morons. You, yeah. you know, you did, you missed yeah. everybody. But they said, but when you look at it through the contemporary lens of that time in yeah. that town with that church's influence, it's that's not cool. that big of a stretch. And they said, and they said, honestly, that's the story we want to tell now yeah. is... Holy shit, that was a whole culture and environment that enabled that crap. Yeah, and, like, here's the thing, too, is, like, when you say LDS, it's not specific to LDS. Like, you look, like, at extreme evangelicals. Like, they have a practice of forgiveness up to a certain point, like, unless you're... A homosexual or well, so and again, and and that's why that incident between those two guys yeah, was such a big, such a big thing. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I mean, that's the thing is like you have to review this whole story within the context of. I feel like it's like that. Not only the religion, but the time. It's it's like that Drake meme where it's his two different faces, and it's like you know the LDS is like you know uh, homosexuals, yeah, pedophilia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, because I mean, pedophilia is basically like written into scripture. It is for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. Look at Warren Jeffs. I mean, that is insane. He was orchestrating thousands, hundreds of marriages mm-hmm. between 12, 13 year old girls and 50 plus year old men. That is the culture of LDS. Oh, for sure. Yes. Yes. Like they might have like, because I know parts of LDS like shun bigamy now, but like you're still embracing parts of it and you're still, there's still this, there's still a big part where we expect um, young girls and young women to just be submissive and to be owned, and that's just normal. That's just part of our our belief system. Mm-hmm. That's fucked up. I mean, like that's so fucked up. So I, I just a couple of couple of wrap up notes because again, um, there's a great article, Vanity Fair, uh, which you know we've talked about them obviously since the Epstein thing and just the great work that they do. Um, so they got rid of the one editor. Right. Um, so like there's, there's nothing about, um, like this documentary was the first time that, uh, the dad talked about the homosexual entanglement with the guy. Um, like that wasn't in the book that wasn't, you know, anywhere. Um, this is the first time that he was actually, you know, that he actually told that story and that kind of thing. Um, this, and, and not only, uh, was he done? Uh, not only had he done, not only had he gone after kids before, he had used this alien abduction thing before. Oh, uh, okay. So I didn't know that, but that's what I wanted to add too. Is something we didn't talk about? Is six women contacted yep. Jan and said he had assaulted them as little girls, and um, he was actually found guilty in court for raping one of the girls and he spent a year in jail Mm -hmm. for that a year for raping a child Mm -hmm. one year and was let out 
and then continued to do what he did to Jan. Um, I mean, that's just like, if that tells you anything about our justice system. And I mean, still to this day, there is not enough of a punishment for rape, in my opinion. I mean, same. Yeah. It's it's not even looked at really as a violent crime. Well, and so, and yeah, and so this, and this is, uh, just before I forget, so like this is, they talk again about um, the the sequel to the film. They want to explore different topics that we didn't have time to really dive deep dive into, um, like the role that Faith plays, maybe not even just with LDS, but the role that Faith plays in sheltering communities, the communities that shelter yeah. this stuff, as well as grooming and brainwashing. Those are yeah. seriously interesting, intricate things that happen. And while we touch on both of those topics, we really don't explore it as much as I feel like we should have. Yeah. And like, just as you were saying that, I just thought about too, like in almost any religious group, um, girls are always the victim. Mm -hmm. Um, unless you're looking at a situation like the Catholic church, uh, where it's boys, but well, young children are always the victims. One thing that I took from this entire thing and at the very end of the documentary, they say, um, if you can manipulate adults, imagine what, what you can you, do yep. with a child. Yeah. And that is something that I think about a lot mm-hmm. because I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm an adult and if somebody can like manipulate me some type of way, then they can manipulate a child for sure. Some oh my type God. Of way. In the worst way. In the worst way. Exactly. Yeah. And that was like something that like I took home with me from that where I was like, I it would take something totally different in me to even think otherwise. And Jan says that she has forgiven her parents and she talks about forgiveness with Birch told, but mostly what I, what I got from what she said about her forgiveness with Birch told was basically, it was like, um, if you have hate in your heart, basically you're the one drinking the poison. Exactly. That it's, that it basically just, it, it jails you in. Right. Uh, And, And she said the unfortunate reality is the person that she wants to think about the least and wants, yeah, is the, 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 the time she wants out of her life is just the thing that is always there. And then I, again, because we're talking about 50 years later, um, so Bob, ha- the dad, has now died. Um, oh, he did? He died, he, he died last November. Um, oh. But he and Marianne did still marry, or did stay married until his death. Oh. Um, and then it was funny, and, and not like funny haha, but it was weird. Like when they showed Jan, I thought she looked familiar. Um, and I couldn't figure out why. Isn't she an actress? She's an actress. Like, so she's yeah, been on, she's been on, yep. She's been on Law and Order SVU. She's been on a yeah. bunch of, like, she's done a bunch of stuff, yeah. which good for her. Yeah. I mean, it's wonderful that she was able to like take charge of her own life and she was able to forgive her parents and, for the situation because move on and move on. I mean, I can't imagine the years of therapy it it fucking took, but I'm glad that she was able to forgive that. I mean, talk about a call to her forgiveness, but yeah, um, it's good that you were able to forgive your parents for that because I feel like they loved their daughter deeply. Absolutely. Um, I feel like, which again, at the very start of this, that's where we started. They were, 
yeah. as much groomed and mm-hmm. brainwashed as she was. Absolutely. But, but as adults, you expect that we can, you know, that we'll know better and right. We'll yeah. know better and we'll, and we'll protect our children. And, um, so that's what makes it, I mean, that, that makes it extremely hard. And mm-hmm. I can't imagine what that family has like had to think about and go through and the conversations that they've had to have to try to get to the place that they are at, how uncomfortable it could have been too. Oh, well, and God. I think, and, uh, at some, at one point, one of the sisters, uh, says something about that. She's like, you know, it took basically forever for them to come together as a family and be yeah. able to move past this. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because it would. It is because as a child, you want your, you think your parents are gonna fucking protect you, mm-hmm. and you would just feel so failed and like you have no trust. And especially like if you're finding out about this as a sixteen year old, can I tell you an anecdote? Um, so you found out your dad was giving out hand jobs. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I hope he's not watching this right now because he does watch it. I'll be like, what the fuck? Um, no, but I, so when I was 16, I started reading um, the Da Vinci Code. Okay. And I know it's now as an adult, I know it's, ex, it, it's fiction, but there were a bunch of things in it that I didn't know about Christianity that were true. Mm-hmm. And um, so the year that I was 16, my dad actually forced all of us to go to church on Easter with my grandma. And I was like, this is bullshit. I was like, he was not even born on Christmas. He was born sometime in April. You think this, the whole church is fucking you guys all like I was pissed. So to think that she found all of this out as a 16 year old, like you're already going. Oh, you're in, you're in those peak rebellious years to begin with. Yeah. You're already questioning everything. And so I can just imagine like the hate that she had, like for her her Mm -hmm. parents and for like everything she had been told was true. Like your whole identity is fucking screwed. Yeah, because of like, yeah, because I mean, at at the end of the day, your family is supposed to be your foundation. Like it's like that's supposed to be your rock above all else. Right. And when you find that to not be true for whatever reason, that's a problem. That fucks with you. It fucks with you big time. Um, yeah. So wild ride. Wild ride. I I, I hope they do make another. Well, and so, and it's funny because they talk about what, what, like, when basically she says, in a perfect world, this, it would probably be a trilogy. Like, this would be the, the opener to it. And they want to deep dive on the community aspects of it and then the religious aspects of it. This woman went through. I have so many questions. So, I want to know so much more about these. Like I want like a firm. I want to know about the wife. I I like that. Like I want to know like what. Same. Like my psychologist, like brain is like, what the fuck happened to him? 
Because yeah. are you born? It's like nature versus nurture. Was right. he born a fucking sociopath, or what happened? Or was it created? Brother? Yeah, because his brother didn't affirm any of those stories. So well, so and, and that was interesting. In that same Vanity Fair article, they talk about how the brother really wasn't all that keen on participating, but felt that he owed it to his brother's memory to give to somehow give him something of a voice. And so oh, the, okay. well, no. thing you say about him is he's a pervert. Well, and so and that's and so that's one of the things that they they follow up on. They're like, and that's and they're like, and that's part of what we want to explore further is the family dynamic that enables these sorts of things right. to happen and these sorts of behaviors to be a thing. So yeah, right. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. Like, I want to know more about that. Like, same. what trauma did he go through? I would through? also like to know. Well, and sure. like I said, and same thing, like, what trauma did his wife go through that oh let her God. be yes. the I mean, enabler for him? any information Ugh. from that entire side of the family, so it's like, but I would like to know. at the same time, I totally respect, like, their want for anonymity, like, yeah. sure. Uh, like you're just protecting your kids like i'm sure she was in survival mode at that point like i just gotta get the fuck out of here yeah like you know what i mean like i'm sure she was just in survival mode yeah so um yeah that doesn't i don't blame her for not or the kids for not wanting to i mean that's fucking embarrassing and their dad was probably a monster to them too if he had any girls yeah, thank you. See, was. but so and that's that see that's the kind of stuff I would want to know. Was right. he American dad at home right. and and used or other people's kids? Well, or and used other girl. people's kids as that outlet. Right. Yeah. I right, don't know. Right. It's so fucked up. Uh, it's so fucked up. I have so many questions still. We all do. But that is uh highly entertaining fascinating documentary yeah and it's it's what like it's uh it's an hour and a half long so it's not oh, yeah. yeah so it's so much information yeah so it's it's not hour. like it's not like the vow where you're watching something for nine hours and multiple right. episodes it's it's an hour and a half yeah. you're in and done watch it twice if you can yep. right yeah. Yeah. I remember the first time I watched it I was laying in bed Spencer was asleep next to me and I was just had my jaw I don't understand what's happening anymore. Yeah, exactly. It's like we just need like especially when Bob said he jerked off the other Bob. I was like, what the fuck am I watching? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Y'all Bobs need to figure it out. Y'all Bobs are fucking fucked up. So, um, thanks, Dave, for joining us. Of course. Thanks, Dave. We love you. We had so much fun. Um, Next week, we'll do 90 Day. 90 Day. We we have to talk to you about this after we get off, actually. Talk to you. Talk to you. Um, But we love you guys. Thanks for hanging. Bye. Bye.